Oh my God. You're like listening to G'day World with Cameron Riley on the podcast network. Whatever. Some people might laugh at the idea of grown human beings running around wearing flamboyant spandex costumes with masks and capes and calling themselves real-life superheroes and trying to fight crime in their local community. I, however, am not one of those people. I think it's a terrific thing. And uh, I've been kind of watching it emerge over the last few years. I remember some news stories a couple of years ago about some Australian superheroes. I think they were down in Melbourne. And um, today I'm chatting with an American real-life superhero. His name is Kevlex. No, wait, that didn't sound right. Let me try that again. His name is... Greetings, can I speak to Kevlex, please? This is he. Kevlex, this is Cameron Riley from the Podcast Network in Australia. How are you today, sir? Excellent. Nice to talk to you. You too, sir. Uh, I believe you're in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I am indeed. And are the streets of Phoenix, Arizona safe today? Uh, Safe as they usually are. We have our fair share of crime, but uh, we're not a hot spot. I've been to Phoenix once. It's a pretty scary place. <laughs> it can be. I mean, from time to time, there can be issues. We had uh, a couple guys riding around shooting people for the fun of it. Well, I think it was last year or the year before. They called them the serial shooters. And they shot a lot of people, and it was uh, very nerve-wracking for the whole city. And as uh, the you know the official superhero in Phoenix, Arizona, you know what did you do about the situation? Well, I and a few other of the real life superheroes in the area went out and patrolled the streets in Kevlar vests and hoped that the serial shooters would happen by and take a hot shot at us so we could identify them. Because if they shoot at us, we get a second chance and we could pass on the information. They shoot a civilian and, well, an ordinary civilian, <laughs> and they're gone. So uh, I, Green Scorpion, and one or two others uh, went out just randomly looking like ordinary civilians, but in fact uh, hunting for them while they were hunting for the public. You didn't go out in full costume? Uh, most of the real life superheroes that are more into the crime fighting uh do not go out in actual costume most of the time, or at least not identifiable costumes, because it attracts too much attention and it's just uh, difficult to operate. Oh, that's interesting. All right, well, we, we, we better go back and cover some of the basics then. Let me let me start off, Kevlex, by asking you um, a little bit about your journey to becoming a real-life superhero. When did this um, happen for you? Um... Well, I started taking it seriously in about 2004. It's something that I'd always been drawn to, but it had always seemed too impractical and unrealistic to really go out and pursue. Then in about 2004 or 2005, I ran across this blog 
by uh, it was called Mark Schmidt's blog. It was kind of a geek and nerd centric sort of blog. And he had this thread asking where all the real life superheroes are. And that was the exact question that I had because with the vast diversity of human experience out there, you can get people to do anything. You can find people that, uh, we had a cult in America not too many years ago, uh, where essentially they, they were waiting for aliens to come down and pick them up, and they thought Haley's Comet was this giant spaceship. And essentially they got people to castrate themselves and work for them designing websites, and then eventually they all committed suicide. Now, compared to that, being a real-life superhero is extremely sensible. <laughs> and you can find people to do anything. And the, the real-life the superhero archetype is something that's extremely popular and ingrained in the consciousness. And I was very curious as to where the real-life superheroes were. So I went out looking, and I did find a few. I found Terrifica in New York City, Angle Grinder Man in the United Kingdoms, Super Barrio in Mexico, and uh, Polar Man in, uh, I believe it's Canada. But there were almost no, there's almost nobody out there doing this. So I decided that, uh, it, it, I mean, actually, once I hit Mark Schmidt's blog, that was uh, the final straw because there were people there saying, well, yeah, I'm taking this seriously and I'm going to go out and do this. It's a good idea. And since there seemed to be a, a little spark there, I decided to establish the World Superhero Registry and fan the spark until something actually happened. And it indeed did. So do you know who the first real-life superhero was? Uh, it depends on how you define your terminology, but no, I'm not really sure. Okay. I mean, you can, you can kind of trace its roots all the way back to medieval times with the knight errant and people that had this vision of how the world ought to be and just went out and tried to wrench it into that shape, trying to do good deeds and so forth. I mean, the modern superhero concept was formed around characters like Superman, but also even prior to that, there were like the Green Hornet and various other action heroes that were kind of the in-between stages. Uh, Doc Savage is one of my all-time favorite book series, and a lot of the technology that they used in the books actually ended up being real technology some somewhere down the road 50 years later. But he was not the classic superhero with the cape and the costume and so forth, but he, he fit in most of the same requirements as somebody like Batman. And in fact, from what I can understand, uh, most, if not all, of the real-life superheroes are uh, in the mold of uh, Batman or Watchmen superheroes in that, uh, to the best of my knowledge, none of them have actual superpowers. They're, they're more of the uh, uh, just bravery and uh, doing good deeds and the occasional gadget. Uh, correct. Uh, I mean, we... We don't have the sort of universe that runs like the comic book universe where you get hit by a dose of radiation and suddenly can fly. We have the universe where you get hit by a dose of radiation and you die horribly. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, 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 I'm a big fan. I, I think this is a great idea. I think it's uh, terrific to see 
individuals step up and take responsibility for safety in their local community. My one concern, though, apart from your safety, is whether or not the emergence of real-life superheroes will require the emergence of real-life supervillains. Have you seen any supervillains emerge as a as a uh, action-reaction response? I have heard people kind of uh, making blustery comments to that effect, but nothing real has emerged. And most of the people that are thinking of... And at this point, his line went dead. I was quite sure that he had been struck down mid-sentence by one of the supervillains that we had been discussing. Was it a laser ray? Was it some sort of a shrinking ray, perhaps? Or had he just been clobbered over the back of the head? I wasn't confident that he would answer the phone when I called back, but he did. Well, I would like to say it's a coincidence that you started talking about supervillains and our call dropped out, (laughs) but I suspect some evil is afoot. Sorry, you were talking about supervillains with blustery comments. Yeah, I mean, most of the people who have said that they're going to become supervillains are essentially either people that just are annoyed by the real-life superheroes and want to make a nuisance of themselves, or people that... Well, actually, that's most of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, If you go to the image boards, such as the ones that uh, call themselves Chan, I'm not sure that phenomena, but essentially like 7chan and things like that, there are threads that are dedicated to messing with the real-life superheroes because these people have nothing better to do with their times and they find it annoying that people can be idealistic. Right. But the the real supervillains are people like Osama bin Laden. I mean, they're the people that you really have to worry about. And if the real-life superhero community had the resources, that's who we should be going after. How do you you know it's Osama bin Laden who's the real supervillain and not the people running the corporate media that are uh, telling you about Osama bin Laden? Well, I mean, that's just an example. Right. I mean, obviously, if you were doing your own research, you would verify everything. I mean, there are people that are out dumping toxic waste into the water table that, I mean, they're, they're basically, in, in America, in some cases, you have corporations who just wantonly dump toxic waste because they can make more money dumping it than the EPA can find them. And <laughs> it's like, you know, just like dump stuff into the environment and mess it up everybody's day just for a dollar. I mean, these people should be kept in mind as well. And there are, there are people in various, various parts of the world that really the international community is ignoring. Uh, the international community regularly ignores things like genocide and just kind of tuts over it and lets people go their own way while tons and tons of people die. I mean, there's lot, there's lots of ills in the world that need to be addressed. I totally agree. I mean, and do you think it's the role of the superheroes to address those sorts of things or are you more focused on uh, local community concerns? I'm focused on local community concerns because I don't have the resources <laughs> sure, to you're address not, things. You're not a Playboy billionaire? Uh, not so much. Uh, neither the Playboy part nor the billionaire part. You know, in, in some ways, Osama Bin Laden is a superhero. 
He's a, you know, he was a playboy billionaire, Saudi playboy billionaire who saw the Russians invading a country and decided, hey, I'm going to go and uh, use my billionaire uh, resources to, to put an end to the evil. Maybe you well, should be approaching him about joining the World Superhero Registry. Well, if he had stuck to that, uh, maybe he would have been better off because at the point at which you decide that the ends justify the means and you can kill random people who are uninvolved in your conflict, I mean, that's when you become a terrorist. If, if, you go, if, if Osama bin Laden had a problem with U.S. policy and decided to kill U.S. politicians who make that policy, that would have been a more ethical path. But instead, he didn't. He went out and he decided the politicians are doing something I like, so, I mean, I don't like, so I'm going to go out and kill random people who have done no one any harm. Well, hold on. And he, he, he attacked, uh, well, if, if we are to believe the fact that he was even involved in the attacks on 9-11, he, he attacked the, the financial centres and the government centres of the United States, which, you know, the financial industry, the large banking interests, the corporate interests, are uh, probably the ones running the government. So, you know, you could actually make an argument that he did attack the, the core of the issue, the core people involved. He may have attacked the institution, but that's still an unethical way of addressing his problem. I mean, you don't kill a janitor because he just happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Luke Skywalker blew up the Death Star. There was probably a lot of guys just doing their jobs on the Death Star, you know, mm-hmm. cleaners, oh, I, cleaning the windows. I, I agree completely. <laughs> I, I believe that the conventional ideas of warfare and politics are, in, are conducted in a very unethical manner. If, if, if uh, Osama bin Laden is your problem, you kill Osama bin Laden. You don't kill a thousand miscellaneous people in the process. If, uh, if the, I mean, to me, you eliminate the problem, and you only eliminate people that are directly responsible. You do not allow collateral damage. You do not, I mean, it, it's not an ethical way to operate. But I mean, people, just because the world accepts it doesn't make it right. People who vote... Um, for the politicians that do then go and do evil and continue to vote for them, aren't they directly responsible for those people being in power? No, they have no real control. But they vote. People can vote. People, vote. people can try to. People can vote, but no matter who you vote for, you just get a different brand of criminal. People try to vote because they want to make a difference, but they're not making a difference. The, contr- the political system in most countries is controlled by a small group of very pow- powerful people, and they are actually in control of what's going on. Mm. So let me ask you, the, the, this uh, emergence of real-life superheroes, is that a reflection on your uh, level of confidence in the traditional uh, police force? No, the police force does a very good job. What it is is a... It's more of a it, it's more of a personal thing. When you go out and you decide, I I am going to defend the people in my family, come what may, you're saying that these people are more important than another category of people, which is the rest of the world. When you say I'm going to defend my com- country, come what may, you're putting that country in that category of higher importance. The real-life superhero, or actually, no, the superhero archetype, basically is choosing good over evil worldwide. And it's unacceptable to that personality type 
for the evil to triumph, whether it's down the street or around the world. You're basically saying, this is the way the world ought to be, and I'm going to do what I can to make it that way. So let's talk about some of the requirements to be a superhero. I mean, what do you see the basic um, entry-level requirements are? Well, for my registry, I don't have stringent requirements, and that's because I couldn't get enough people to meet those stringent requirements. Uh, but I do the best I can. You do have to have a costume of sorts, and it can't just be a T-shirt with a, uh, with a Sharpie message saying, I am a superhero. You have to be out doing something that really makes a difference. In other words, helping the homeless or working to protect the environment or out fighting crime. It doesn't have to be one specific thing. You can't be part of a company or a promotional figure of some kind. You can't become a superhero just because you're a mascot. And you have to live up to the sort of superheroic ideals as best you can. Please tell me they're not truth, justice, in the American way. <laughs> the American way would be a little, a little difficult to define these days, but truth and justice are always good. Yeah, and I don't think they have much to do with the American way these days. Call me cynical, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, well, it, for individual Americans, it certainly does, just like for in any, in any category around the world, in any population people in any country that are good and any, any country that are evil. And a lot of people value their country highly. It doesn't mean they agree with everything their country does. It just means that they're proud of where they are and they wish that it lived up to their ideals. Yeah, fair point. Um, I'm interested that you said you've got to have a costume, but yet earlier you said that most of the superheroes uh, don't wear that costume when they go out in public. What, what's, isn't that sort of self-defeating? Um, to a degree. The purposes of a costume are, A, concealing your identity, B, protection in some cases, because in some cases you have actual metal or Kevlar panels or what have you built into the costume, and it's also to inspire people. Now, if you're operating in a capacity which requires concealment, none of those except for the protection aspect are relevant. If you're operating in a capacity where you're going to a public event, then wearing a costume is appropriate. Or if you're going out and, I mean, if you're doing something covert uh, or something where you don't want to draw attention, wearing a costume obviously doesn't make sense. And you just have to be practical about it. So uh, let me ask you about the um, attitudes of the police towards the real-life superheroes. Is it, uh, are there any you know, have they told you to cease and desist? Are there any legal issues with the sort of work that you do? Um, if the real-life superheroes were having more of an impact and more of a direct effect on crime and were actually turning people into the police on a regular basis, I'm sure there would be a lot more conflict. Um, the, from the individual policemen that I've talked to, some of them supported the feeling that the real-life superheroes are helping their community and that more people should be public-minded. And then others think that it's just a huge potential for tragedy. And, I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, feeling on both sides of it. And it just depends on which individual policeman you approach. So if, if you um, 
spot somebody, uh, let's say, uh, uh, taking a handbag off an old lady and you, you capture that person and you uh, handcuff them and walk them into the local police station, um, you know, what legal position do you have to walk them in? Is that the concept of citizen arrest in the United States? Do you need to have witnesses? Do you need to provide evidence? Uh, how do you hand, how do you it, prepare for those situations? It, it varies from it varies from state to state, unfortunately. Right. Uh, the U.S. is a patchwork of different laws. Personally, what I would probably do is handcuff them and leave them, and then call the cops. Right. You don't have to uh, read them their Miranda rights or anything. You let the cops do. Well, that's only, only if you're acting as a policeman. Right. So, I mean, to a large degree, the world the real-life superheroes have the option of acting in what would, uh, for a policeman, be a highly illegal manner. I mean, some of the real-life superheroes engage in illegal wiretapping or surveillance. I mean, at least from what I hear. And, not, I mean, not all of them are operating in a manner which is going to be legal in their areas. It all just depends on the individual modus operandi of the person. And... Mm-hmm. You have the pro- it has huge potential for problems because it is something that is so individualized and it's just kind of a judgment call on the person's part, and you have to hope that the person has some judgment. Is that part of the role of the World Superhero Registry? Do you um, provide you know uh, legal advice or a, or a standard uh, list of ethics and security precautions or any sort of uh, uh, workplace training material? I try to be the voice of reason, but that's about it. Currently, I'm stretched so thin that it's hard to get anything done because I'm one person running the website and conducting interviews and just trying to get anything finished. It's like I don't have the time to adequately research all the real-life superheroes that are out there because there are just so many. I mean, there's hundreds of people that want to be on the registry, but you have to have some level of confirmation that they're not just hoaxing. I mean, there's so many things that I individually should be doing that a lot of them certainly do slip by the wayside. And it could be taking you away from actual crime fighting. Well, there's that too. There's there's not a whole lot of that that I actually accomplish. Because then we get back again to the practicality of actually being a real-life superhero and the level of resources that a lot of us have. Personally... I have to work a full-time job and deal with my family, and then this stuff is just uh, definitely third place. I was going to ask you about uh, if, if you had a, a, a real-time day job. Do the people at your place of employment know about your secret identity? Definitely not. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I would be employed there very much longer if that was the case. <laughs> is that right? Not because it's like a, a criminal organization. You don't work for a, a drug boss or something, and you know it would be a conflict of interest to be a superhero. No, if I worked for a drug boss, I, I'd have money. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I could really fight crime. What about your family? Do they know about this? Uh, only one member of my family does. And uh, what, what's and been the reaction? He, he, he views it as a combination of uh, kind of a curious hobby and uh, possibly a dangerous pursuit, depending on... The thing is, I I try to downplay it a lot because I don't want to worry people. Sure, which is the whole reason of 
keeping your identity secret in the first place, right? As one of them is you don't want to worry people. I'm sure Peter Parker well, didn't want Mary want to Jane worry to worry. Yeah, you don't want them in trouble either. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, police used to be more or less exempt from retribution from criminals. I mean, to some degree, at least, a lot of the criminals respected the fact that you got caught, you got caught, and they didn't go out and kill the policeman's family. But these days, they're, I mean, standards are falling everywhere, and uh, a criminal is liable to go out and kill the policeman's family. And if you're a real-life superhero, you don't even have any backup from the police, so you're even more at risk, and your family would be even more at risk. So let's talk about um, Kevlex and your, your, your costume, your powers. Uh, the name, for a start, um, where, where did the name come from? Uh, the, the name was a bit whimsical. When I first found Mark Schmidt's blog, where these people were talking and there seemed to be a spark or two for a real-life superhero sort of movement, I just decided, uh, okay, people should, people are wearing spandex, but they ought to be wearing Kevlar, so I'll just combine the two and say Kevlar. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And um, There's really not all that much spandex out there because a lot of the people that are more serious are more along the lines of trench coats and Kevlar. But you do also have the more flamboyant and more public-oriented superheroes who do environmental and uh, public service stuff who tend more towards the stretchy spandex outfits. You know, I've, I've always kind of been uh, a little bit bemused, uh, particularly in the, the superhero films that have come out in the last couple of decades, at uh, the the level of craftsmanship that goes into the superheroes' costumes when, you know, you've got a teenager who decides he's going to be Spider-Man all of a sudden he has this amazing uh, costume that he's made. I mean, is that uh, one of the challenges for superheroes, having to, you know, dig out a sewing machine and figure out how to create a costume? I wouldn't know where to start. Um, for some people, it is very challenging, and some people just don't try. Um, others just compile a costume out of random things that seem to go together. And then you've got people like Insignus out of Utah, who has elaborate costumes that are definitely theatrical quality. I mean, you could throw him into a Spider-Man movie, and he'd be right at home. And he has a whole group of people that have costumes of equal or lesser quality, but they're all extremely good. And there are some people out there who specifically work on building real-life superhero equipment, equipment and costumes. I mean, it seems to me that there's a, an opportunity here for uh, costume designers from films or stuff like that to actually, uh, you know, start to create these things and uh, and sell them, create a, a store on Etsy or something, and uh, you know, provide components for superheroes. Have you, have you seen that uh, start to emerge yet? Um, there is uh, one known fashion designer who uh, has requested that I put her link up to start making superhero costumes. I haven't put the link up, but I will shortly. And she is fairly well known and has been doing uh, costumes for stars and so forth and wants to expand into the superhero field. I haven't actually got anybody from uh, the film industry that has done superhero con costumes for film that wants to do them for the real-life superheroes yet. But it's probably only a matter of time. Yeah, there's got to be lots of folks out there who, uh, you know, know how to make a good costume and could, could could put it together for you. Particularly the security aspects of it too. You need, you know, people who are probably familiar with uh, military uh, grade equipment to figure out how to build something that's uh, relatively safe. Um, 
let's let's talk about uh, you know your uh, powers, gadgets. Um, is there, do you have a cape? Do you have any particular gadgets that you carry? Um, I typically carry things like pepper spray and just small utility items and a first aid kit. Uh, I have uh, like uh, LED flashlights and lighters and just miscellaneous things. Uh, yeah, I always have a mobile phone with me and. Uh, I usually have an iPod just for keeping up my spirits. Because <laughs> well, it can get boring. What kind of tracks do you listen to that uh, kind of motivate you for superhero deeds? Um, usually hard rock, some like Metallica and just various things that are up-tempo. Although I have been known to put things like Britney Spears, Spears on there and sometimes uh, old, sometimes oldies like uh, Teresa Brewer. I mean, it, it just it's kind of a mix. You know, I've got a friend of mine um, in uh, Phoenix. His name's Graydon Square. He's an atheist rapper. And he's uh, told me that being an atheist in Phoenix is kind of a dangerous pursuit. Have you uh, ever had to defend an atheist against, uh, you know, the, the Christians? Uh, no, not really. I mean, mostly uh, all you get in Phoenix if you're an atheist is maybe a snide comet or something. I mean, I'm, I'm an agnostic and... Yeah, I've never really had any flack over it. I mean, occasionally you get the one person who will say, well, you know you're going to hell, and it's like, I hope so, because I'd rather not be just completely non-existent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good stuff. Well, listen, uh, Kevlex, I appreciate your time. I mean, I I, uh, think it's tremendous that that, uh, there's a group of people out there who are trying to uh, inspire people. I think it's tremendous that there are individuals in the community that are stepping up and trying to do their little bit to make their community and society in general uh, a safer place. And uh, I, I commend you, sir, for your efforts. I, th- I think it's a very positive thing, people taking personal responsibility for the world about them, because depending on government or large organizations to fix the problems for you, I don't know. It, it just doesn't, it seems like a losing way to run things. I totally agree, and and I think uh, we have all been conditioned over the last 40 or 50 years that we should just let go and uh, let the government, let the uh, big corporations run things for us. And, uh, you know, I think breaking that conditioning takes a lot of work. And one of the things I like about what you guys are doing is uh, you are... uh, not just breaking the mold, but doing it in a way that can get people's attention, get them to stop and hopefully think. You know, probably I think people's first reactions, as mine was, was to, to have a bit of a laugh. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, you know what, here's a, you know, I tell people all the time on this show that it's all it's up to us. If we're going to make the world a better place, we've got to get out there and do something. And uh, you, you superheroes are not only doing that and talking about that, but you're doing it in a way that's a little bit flamboyant. It's a little bit uh, rock and roll. And, uh, you know, that gets people's attention. And, and uh, so I, I'm serious. I think it's tremendous. Well, um, one of the real-life superheroes named Geist, I believe it was, or maybe it was uh, Razorhawk, I forget which, um, they said, well, if you see Joe from down the street doing a good deed, you think about it for a minute or two afterwards. But if you see some guy in a weird costume doing something that's a good deed, you think about it for the rest of the day. <laughs> Exactly, and particularly because you know a lot of us grew grew up reading superhero comics. I mean, this is very much a part of you know late twentieth century uh, culture, 
And uh, so, you know, we, it's inside of us somewhere. We're ingrained to accept the fact that, uh, you know, people run around in flashy costumes doing good things. Uh, so, you know, it, it's not as strange to some of us as it might be to others. It, it didn't take a huge amount of effort to get things to get this big. All it took was a gentle push. Because people are naturally inclined to want to improve the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But it takes... It takes a small group. Not of everybody. <laughs> no, but it takes a small group of people to lead the way and to, to provide an example. And I think that's uh, what you're doing, sir. And I commend you for it. Thank you. All the best. Be safe, Kevlex, and um, keep up the good work. Thanks very much. I appreciate your time. Have a good day. You too, sir. Thanks. Well, it seems to me like there's a couple of opportunities there for people not only to become real-life superheroes themselves, but to be creating all of the, the pots and pans, so to speak, that the superheroes need. Costumes, gadgets, uh, legal advice, uh, you know, the, the laws in your local area. Or maybe we need people that can act as um, information gatherers, researchers, uh, the, we need the people sitting at home on the computer monitoring the movements of the the bad guys and relaying those via some sort of uh, earpiece to the superheroes. So if you don't actually want to be on the street as a superhero yourself, there's a whole industry to be created here. I think uh, someone's going to do it. And obviously people like Kevlex are leading the way. Don't forget to support the TPN 500 if you uh, want to keep the show on the air. I need your support. Go to the link in the blog post on g'dayworld.com or tpn.thepodcastnetwork.com. Don't forget to tune in to G'day World Live, 8 o'clock Australian Eastern Time on a Tuesday night. Go to g'dayworld.com slash live for more information. This is Cameron Riley. Thanks for listening. <laughs>